Welcome to the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm your host, Seth Tao. I'm a sports reporter for the Star Democrat, covering the Eastern Shore for APG Chesapeake. Be sure to keep up with all of our episodes at the Star Democrat website, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Tao, and follow us on Instagram at stardem underscore sports. Hey there, welcome to the first episode of the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm Seth Tao, running this with the Star Democrat. I'm a sports reporter at the Star Democrat, obviously. Uh, I have Ricky Pollitt on the line from Delmarva now. He focuses mainly on the south side of Bayside Conference. I'm a little more plugged into the north, and we're going to go through our midseason all-Bayside basketball teams so, yeah, mid-season for 2019-2020. For Ricky, how you doing? I'm doing well, Seth. Appreciate you having me on, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. It's good to get this podcast going, and it's been a fun season so far. Yeah, fun season, uh, as always. Um, I mean, I, I tell you, basketball around here is something else. Obviously, the Delmarva area isn't traditionally known for its sports teams, but when basketball comes around, I mean, the community, just the outpour and the support that comes – always continues to amaze me year after year. Yeah, obviously some schools are going to be better than others, and some schools' support is going to be better than others, but mm-hmm. I've been impressed. And, man, I, I know you weren't at that Queen Anne's Ken Island game, but I was saying to a guy that I was standing next to for that game that I could maybe remember one or two atmospheres when I was in high school that rivaled an atmosphere like that. It was just packed. You couldn't hear yourself think. And if you watch the video on our Instagram story, actually, of the game-winning shot by Andy Van Wee, the crowd just goes crazy. You can see the Kent Island student section right after that. All their arms go up in the air. Everyone's jumping up and down. It's madness. Yeah, and I've obviously been here a little longer than you, but I I think back to the years when Stephen Decatur was uh, winning regional championships left and right and just the atmosphere in that gym. Um, I mean, there I remember the line being wrapped around the school trying to get into those Stephen Decatur games. And, I mean, any rival game around here, the Y High games against Parkside or Bennett are always packed. Chris Field in Washington. Chris Field in Pocomo, that's always a great game. Um, I was at Snow Hill and Decatur last night. Um, and even that was a good atmosphere. So, yeah, it's it, it really is something to see. So let's get into it. Uh, we both put together – all Bayside mid-season teams based on what we've seen so far this season. Do you, I guess I didn't, I, I told you what I have before. Do you, do you just have a first team? Do you have a second team and player of the year? And what do you got for me? So, so I kind of have, I, ha, I have my player of the year candidates. I'm still kind of on the fence with two guys who I would give player of the year to right now, but I do have a first team and then I don't have a second team necessarily, but I have a bunch of honorable mentions. So, okay. Uh, if you want, I can go first. You can yeah, go sure. First. Why don't you go first with your uh, midseason All Bayside South team of the year so far? All right. So before I unveil my Player of the Year, I'll give you my first team, and that's um, you know, that's a group of guys who just have really um, amazed me this year. And uh, it starts with a guy who I saw last night, and uh, Drew Housen, uh, senior forward for Stephen Decatur. I mean, right now he's averaging almost 30 points a game and 17 rebounds a game. I mean, these are numbers that we never see down here. I, I mean, I'm trying to think back. Guys like Corey Holden and Jordan Duffy back with James and Bennett in the early 2010s, I mean, they were putting up numbers like that. You can look to um, 
you know, guys like Kevon Boyles a few years ago, but I believe he only topped about 25. So for this kid to come out here and night after night put up almost 30 points, it's amazing. And he's doing that without two big guys who have helped him out in the past, that being Churchill Bounce, who transferred in the offseason, and Gabe Aluma, who left the team before the holiday break. So for him to really put this team on his back, I mean, Decatur right now, they're only 6-5. and five. They're fifth right now in the Bayside South, but he is having an all-star year. And, um, I mean, he's, he's only been an honorable mention the past two years. There's no doubt in my mind he'll be uh, first team this year. Um, next is Nigel Houston for Pokemoke, another senior forward who sat out the bulk of last year with an injury. And uh, we, saw, uh, we saw the impact he had, or lack thereof, I should say, as Pokemoke only won one game, lost 22 last year with Nigel Houston, uh, really suffering from that injury. But he's come back and he's been, uh, I mean, he's been amazing this entire time. Kind of similar to, um, to Drew's numbers. Uh, right now he's averaging 21.6 points a game and 14 rebounds a game. And just a, an aggressive player, you know, has a great jumper, can get up there, bring down the rock. He's got a player like Charles Feeney who, um, you know, is really helping him out, kind of take some pressure away from him. And you know, just having an all-star season, in my opinion. Uh, next is my big man, Jason Handy. You know, Jason's a great kid over at Y High, the uh, the senior center forward. Um, this is Jason's first year as a uh, as a full time starter. He got the starting role last year when Dom Bailey transferred out mid season, and uh, he really didn't miss a beat. He was a big part of why that Y High team was able to make that run in the state tournament, get to College Park, and just come. I think it was about twenty points away from Butch Waller's second state championship. But I mean, Jason Handy, he's uh, he's only a junior. I think next year he's probably going to be the player to watch, probably the player of the year. But this year, um, you know, I think he's doing what I would expect him to do. His numbers are, uh, are a little better than average, but he has a good supporting cast around him. And like I said, he's the big guy over there. He's able to get up high, get those rebounds, a great defender, and he's got a good shot to go along with it. So I've been really impressed with him. Another guy who um, I think came into the season a little under the radar but um, has done a great job so far is Christian Waters down in Crisfield. A lot of hype was around guys like Courtray Fontaine and his brother, Raquel Waters, coming into the season. But, um, you know, those guys, they've, they've had fine seasons, but it's been Christian's team this year. Again, really improved with his jumper. He can hit it from anywhere on the court, really big with the threes, and a good defender as well. So, I, you know, I, I, give him, uh, I give him the nod on first team. And I'm going to round it out with, um, you know, possibly a surprise pick, but um, it's Patrick Lewis-Jake. I think that's how he says his last name. Uh, the senior from Mardella, just a, a point scorer, you know, hungry, young, really fast player who um, has been put into Ken Luck's offense and hasn't looked back. Him and Josh Lewis have a great one-two punch over there at Mardella, and he's just been amazing on that offensive side. Can play some really good defense, too. So right now I'd say that's my, uh, my top five, my first team, if you will, for the Bayside South. Those guys really dominating, and uh, all of them just probably could make a case for the player of the year. I'm wondering if is why high's total team dominance this year is does that kind of hurt them in terms of having a candidate for player of the year? I, I'd say so. That, I'd, I think that's a safe argument to have because again, like I just talked about with Jason, I think if he was the sole or the top dog on that team, his numbers would be so much better. And that way you make a case for him for player of the year. But you throw in a guy like Dwayne Hardy, who transferred in the offseason from Parkside. He's having a great year, averaging like 16 points a game. Ronnie Satchel, the senior leader, who might not show up that much in the stat box, but he's their leader. I mean, he is one of the quickest defenders I've seen. He, he gets a number of steals every night, and he can shoot as well. 
And then, I mean, you throw in some of the young guys like Antoine Wilson, B.J. Cook. One thing Butch Waller does well is assemble a full, complete team. Yes, in the past, we had guys like Jaden Baker, who, um, you know, he's, he's just a freak of nature and all-star in his own way. But even then, he had guys like Dorian Stevens, Matt Lowe to compliment him. If any of these one guys were on a team where they were really just the go-to guy, they could make an argument for player of the year. But back to your point, I think because we see so many all-stars on Y high, it's going to be hard for one of them to kind of emerge as the player of the year this season. Yeah, it's interesting because that's we've had a sim- I had a similar conversation with a sports editor at the Star Democrat, Bill Hoffey, last night over on the girls' side because we've seen similar dominance on the girls' side this year from Easton, who may well mm-hmm. end up going undefeated this year, but – the player of the year and the, on the girls, we're not getting into the girls' side that much, but there, you, there's a strong case that the player of the year on in the North right now is not on Easton, even though they may be going undefeated. So mm-hmm. it's just it's interesting to consider that aspect of it that maybe they're so dominant and so but that they just have such a complete team that the best player in the in the conference might not be on that team. Absolutely, and I, I guess I forgot to give who I would consider right now the player of the year, and I'm you know. I'm, you can call it a cop out if you want, but I don't care. I'm a reporter and I can go, I'm allowed to <laughs> when it comes to something like this and I'm going to do it. So uh, right now it's tied right now between uh, Drew Housen and Nigel Houston. I'm leaning a little more towards Housen um, just because I've seen him. I've seen both of them play a fair amount, but the impact that Drew has and BJ Johnson, the head coach of Decatur is a great one to, uh, to te- I mean, he's, he's Drew's biggest cheerleader. And he'll tell you straight up, Drew is that offense. He's that team. He told me last night, the only reason we're winning is because of Drew Housen. I mean, like I said, 30 points a game, almost 20, 25 rebounds a game. I mean, this kid is unbelievable. And I had him ranked as my number 10 player coming into the season. I mean, he's just blown that out of the water. And a funny story with him, he was a sophomore at Snow Hill, and everyone was talking about him being the next big thing. That offseason, he transfers over to Decatur. And had, a, had an average year last year. But, again, he, he had guys like Churchill Bounds and uh, Gabe Aluma helping him out. Now that he's the top dog, he's really just turned on the Jets and has not looked back. Nigel Houston, I think he's going to get some votes. But when you look at pure impact and what this player has done for their team, you have to give it to Drew. Numbers as well. Nigel, like I said earlier, he's got Charles Feeney helping him out. Drew really is just by himself. You can make the case that DeCameron McAfee is a really good uh, second option, but you go watch this team. It, it's Drew Housen's team. All right. So I think that's a good transition point for me to start talking about the North. Uh, yep. I'm going to offer a disclaimer at the beginning, just based on some chatter I've seen and heard since I started this job that I did not consider Jay Sean Freeman for this because <laughs> he's been hurt for most of the season. And yes, it's it's an, it's accolades right now for this season. We're not talking the most talented players in Bayside. We're talking who's been the best this season. So just getting that out there. Uh, Jay Sean Freeman's <laughs> in there. I did not consider him for for this. So right now, I think I think player of the year right. My player of the year right now is Hugh Meehan, the junior guard for Queen Anne's. Uh, there was one other name that I was considering in here, but. I'll get to him and I'll get to him in a bit, but right now Meehan is the best shooter in the North. And you know, it's pretty evident when you watch him play. The thing is Queen Anne's is good enough to win. He's not this guy that, you know, Queen Anne's needs him to play well. If they have a chance to win Queen Anne's is a good enough team where they can win. Even if Hugh Meehan's having an off night, but when he's on Queen Anne's is really tough to beat. 
And it's just such a constant struggle for teams to defend him outside and then not lose sight of what's probably their biggest strength as a team. They, they're guys inside in the paint. And, you know, their coach, Jeff Hollis, is always going to say that their biggest strength is working it into the paint. And that might be a bigger swing between Queen Anne's winning and losing. But I think Meehan's their biggest X factor. He's developed a lot more consistency this year than he had than he's he'd shown in years past. He was streakier last year, and Hollis will admit that. And, you know, if he stays clicking for the rest of the season, I think Queen Anne's could go on a run in the playoffs. So uh, the other name that I considered for player of the year is Ken Island's Cole Craddaville, who's averaging around 17 points, five assault five assists and five steals per game. He, you know, he makes their team tick. He's the motor of their offense, their biggest creator. Opponents have been able to shut them down, shut him down at times, but he still finds way to, ways to impact the game when he's not scoring. Ken Island's biggest strength is its depth, but, you know, make no mistake, they wouldn't be in first place right now if it wasn't for Craddaville. And I really did think about having Craddaville as player of the year right now, but I think Meehan is just, he's the biggest X factor in the North right now. I think, I, I think both these teams are able to win when Craddaville and Meehan aren't at their best and both are tough to beat when they are at their best. But I just give the edge to Meehan right now, even though Craddaville and the Buccaneers won that battle last weekend. So those two are both in my first team. Uh, the names to round out my first team, uh, the forward on this team is Deontay Dickerson from Colonel Richardson, who's mm -hmm. averaging almost 19 points a game. And he's just one of the few players in the North who he can completely take over a game. There aren't that many players in the North who can just completely single-handedly dominate a game, but Dickerson is one of them. And the Colonels will like their chances if he has a good game, but it's hard for them to win if he's quiet. So I, I think he, in that sense, is he's, maybe the most important player to his team in the North, not necessarily the MVP, but you know, <laughs> the most important player to it, if that makes sense. So uh, the last two on first team, Jordan Dozier, the uh, center on senior center for Queen Anne's. And, you know, I talked about Queen Anne's inside presence when I talked about Hugh Meehan and Dozer's just so critical to Queen Anne's success because, like I said, their inside game is their overall team strength. That's what can decide. If they can't get the inside game working, Queen Anne's could lose, and that's what happened against Ken Island on Friday. Mm -hmm. They prefer to work it – the Lions prefer to work it to Dozer inside and get their open shots outside on kickouts. And so, you know, his vision's pretty good for a big man, and he's just big and uses his size well. He controls the glass. He's a good inside scorer, just all around a really good big man. And the last name on the list for first team is Kendron Wayman. I know I have two centers on the first team, but it's just I couldn't leave out either of these two <laughs> off the first team. Wayman, a senior center for North Carolina, who's averaging 21 points and 15 rebounds a game, which mm -hmm. is really good and you know and he missed a few games at the beginning of the season because of football mm -hmm. commitments you know he's a division one offensive lineman he's going to wake forest to play football and he puts that size to good use he just kind of bullies people inside and there are very few people that have the size to shut him down i mean again a d1 offensive lineman he's pretty big north carolina as a whole has been a little inconsistent this season but with those numbers if the bulldogs can get some consistency going in the second half of the season i with those numbers he could have a strong case for player of the year if they can move up in the standings a little bit 
And with North Carolina too, I mean, whenever you, you talk about the, the D1 football players, that seems to be their bread and butter when you think back to uh, Jamie on Franklin, who, you know, playing at Notre Dame now, and everyone thought, well, he, he's just a, a football player trying to get in better shape during the basketball season. But that kid could play. I mean, he was a great basketball player right along with David Bailey, who's a running back for Boston College now. I mean, I don't know what they put in the water up there. But <laughs> Is dominate on the football field, and then they come right back ready for uh, for winter season and tear it up on the basketball court. And, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it seems like we're, uh, we're seeing the trend continue this year. All right, so who are your honorable mentions? Did you get to your honorable mentions already? Who are, who are your honorable mentions <laughs> in the South? Yeah, so, you know, it's so hard because I, I have a whole mess of them. And, I mean, trust me, so do all the coaches. It's I, I sometimes make the joke it seems like everyone makes the honorable mention list, which um, I, I'm, I'm not really for <laughs> You know, it, it is what it is. But um, there's plenty of players that I think deserve to be on this list. Um, I'll start with uh, a guy who I briefly mentioned, uh, Josh Lewis, the uh, the junior from Mardella. Um, Josh Lewis, an interesting story. He played at the Salisbury School the, the last two years, said to himself, I want to play college ball. I'm probably not going to be able to do that, or at least at a level I'd feel comfortable playing at, at a private school. So he goes over to Mardella. Um, Mardella still kind of in a rebuilding phase, but with him and Patrick Lewis, Jackie, um, I mean, those two have torn it up. Lewis averages about 20 points a game. Um, I think because not a lot of people in this conference know who he is yet, he's able to really take advantage of the defense and kind of maneuver around some of these players who expect a certain play style. But I mean, if you've seen some of these easy X schools, which is the conference Lewis came from, they do run a different style and it works a lot of the time, as at least if you're able to handle it. And that's what Lewis has been able to do. The offense has come very natural to him. The speed of the game has come very natural to him. So, um, I mean, I think he's having a great year. He was right on the edge of making first team for me. But because I think Patrick Lewis Jackie has a bit of an edge over him, um, I ended up putting Lewis in the honorable mentions. Uh, another guy, and I might get some – I might have some people gripe at me for putting so many Mardella guys on the list, especially when they've only won a handful of games. But Zach Mills, I mean, Zach Mills might be the most underrated big man in the Bayside South. Um, again, a forward for Mardella, but he is their big man because really they don't have too much or many other uh, really big guys on that team. And he has taken so many steps um, this year to get better or to improve from where he was last year. Again, he's doing a lot better with his shot. He can shoot from outside. He can go down low. He can get inside the paint. He can do it all. And he's a quiet leader, which I really like. And you, you can probably agree with this, Seth. Too many kids are high, or too um, concerned with their highlight reels and how many stats they had. This kid just goes out there and plays. And at the end of the game, he shakes the opponent's hand. Win or loss, he's fine with it. He's just worried about going on and getting better. And I really like that. And he's having a heck of a year. Corey Smith over at JMB. Um, Bennett obviously had a new head coach come in and Bubby Brown and you know they lost a lot of players in the offseason as well Saquon um, I almost said Saquon Barkley uh, Saquon uh, Antoine Wilson or not Antoine Wilson Antoine Armstrong uh, a lot of guys uh, left for graduation last year but Corey Smith even though Bennett has had a uh, a bit of a rough patch here recently. He's been consistent able to lead them in points I believe he's averaging about 17 or 18 points a game and, um, and, you know, again, just a good season. And we've seen Bennett go on some win streaks here in the middle of the season, and he's been leading the way. So I think um, I think he deserves a spot on the uh, on the honorable mention list. Uh, a few more, Shaquan Williams over at Snow Hill. 
I mean, Shaquan just, I think he's nicknamed the dunker because he normally puts down about three or four dunks a game. Uh, didn't have any last night, though. I think it's because I was out there and needed to get pictures of him dunking. But, uh, you know, he, he's another one who he's tall, he's lean, he's fast, and he's gotten a lot better shooting. And uh, myself and one of the other reporters out there last night made the note, he's very good at foul shots. And so many people forget that foul shots really win basketball games for you, especially in those close games where you're playing a Y-high, you're playing a Pokemon. You need to be able to go to the foul line and land those shots. And Shaquan Williams does a great job putting it in the bucket when he needs to. Um, a few other ones. I mentioned the Cameron uh, McAfee over at Decatur. I think he's uh, had a really solid season. Marcus Yarns at Parkside. Um, I mean, you look at what happened when Marcus Yarns didn't play for Parkside um, at the Governor's Challenge. He, uh, that Parkside team just fell apart. And, I mean, he's averaging about 16 points right now. He's their leader. Um, I had him ranked as the number five player in the Bayside South coming in. He's kind of taken a step back. But much like Drew Housen over at Decatur, I mean, Marcus Yarns is that team. Uh, you, you know, give a little respect to um, guys like uh, Ja'Kai Spence, uh, Quamir Snell, um, Javon Purnell. Javon Purnell, I think, is going to be a big player for Parkside next year if he, can, uh, if he can keep it up. But Marcus Yarns has been that team, and, I mean, he's really excelling. Uh, so I give him a, uh, a nod. I, I feel like I have to put Courtray Fontaine on that list for Chrisfield. Courtray Fon- Fontaine was the player of the year favorite coming into this season, helped Chrisfield all the way to the state semifinals last year, won a regional championship, just, you know, really had an amazing year. And this year he's, he's gotten into foul trouble. He's fouled out of a few games. Um, he was suspended for a game. Just a lot of off-the-court issues with him, which I think have prevented him from having the season he can. But again, we saw it at the Governor's Challenge when Chris Field played. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. My, my memory is blanking on the, the team they played. But he went off and had 25 points, had a double-double in that game, and that's the course Ray Fontaine we're used to seeing. Don't get me wrong. He hasn't had a bad season. When he's on the court, he's, I mean, he's just as good as Christian Waters and the rest of them. He can put up points, and he's the tallest one on the court at 6'6". He's going to bring down the, the rebounds. Um, but I just don't think he's having the season both him and a lot of us expected him to have. That said, still good enough to get on the honorable mention list. And then, um, again, to kind of round it out, to Wayne Hardy at Y High, who I talked about, Ronnie Satchel, uh, Charles Feeney, all those guys are having great years. I expect Y High and Pokemon to make deep runs in the state tournament. So I think all those guys get on the honorable mention list. But I'm going to stop there because, like I said before I started, I don't like putting a lot of guys on the honorable mention list. So I think that's about uh, seven or eight right there. So that's probably more than enough. But, um, but yeah, that, that's how my list is shaping up right now. Yeah, I mean, I probably, if you're counting my second team is in your honorable mentions list, between my, the, I have five on the second team and I have four honorable mentions. So we're around the same length, wavelength. Maybe there would be mm-hmm. a few more names that would get thrown in at the end of the season based on you know once I've been able to see more I mean unfortunately just I've only been there are a few teams I've only been able to see a couple times I haven't there there's some teams I haven't seen since December I'm working to make sure I get around more throughout the second half of the season but you know Mm -hmm. I'm only one person so (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can relate exactly preaching to the choir yes so here is my second team uh i I'm probably not going to go as in-depth on these guys as I did with the first team, but yeah. So uh, guard for Cambridge, South Dorchester, Dajawan Jackson. 
uh, averaging about 13 and a half points per game. Marty Bailey told me 12 to 15. So I'm splitting the difference at 13 and a half. Uh, he's the biggest creator for a solid Vikings team and one of their best shooters. Uh, Jaheim Copper, senior guard on North Dorchester, who's averaging 15 points and four assists per game. He's one of the purest scorers in Bayside. There's a case that he could be on uh, first team, honestly, but I think his team, his team, overall team success probably holds him back a little bit, and there's just some strong guard play in the North. So he, he's on the second team. I saw him last night, and they had an impressive win when he wasn't even really getting going as much as, 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 much as he's capable of. Uh, Montrez DeShields, a senior guard on North Carolina, he's got 10 points, five assists, and two steals a game. Kind of like Craddaville, he's the motor of North Carolina. He plays with a lot of energy, and his teammates really feed off it. He's a, he's a really solid player. Uh, Andy Van Wee, I mentioned him uh, a while ago. He hit the game-winning shot against Queen Anne's in that huge game. He's a senior forward for Ken Island. He's averaging 11.2 points per game. And it's just – it's interesting to try to fit Ken Island guys into, into here because Ken Island's biggest strength is their depth. You know, they've mm-hmm. got seven seniors. They rely on their depth. They've got just a whole – you know, they play like eight, nine, ten deep in some games. And they – it's not just because they have to. It's because they're confident that those – they have that many guys that can get the job done and they're in first mm-hmm. place because of it. So, you know, Cradivill's had a really nice season. Van Wee's had a really nice season. But it's a little hard to pick out, you know – Frank Craddaville, their coach, says, like, on any given night, any of these guys can, can have a moment. And it's really true. When you watch them, just there's so many guys on that Ken Island team who can come up for them. But Van Wee has come up clutch for them on several occasions this season. He's not the biggest guy on the court. He's not the most physically gifted guy on the court. But he works hard every game his, he plays. And kind of like Craddaville, he finds ways to contribute even when he isn't scoring as much. And the last name is Logan Middleton. Uh, forward for Cambridge, who's also averaging around 13 and a half points a game. Uh, another important scorer for, for Cambridge. And the Vikings have flown a little under the radar a bit this season, but they're, they're only a game behind uh, Queen Anne's in the standings. So they're right up there. And, you know, they can make some they, – they play Queen Anne's next week. So they, they are right up there and could make some more noise coming up soon. Uh, and then my honorable mentions lists are uh, Vajon Ashley on Cambridge, uh, Sean Warner on Easton, Jason Brown on North Carolina, and Xavier Jones on Queen Anne's. I think we've got some good lists. I think the only ones yeah. that explain to us are uh, the parents of the ones we left off. <laughs> As always. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get into the teams a little bit more. Uh, we, t- we started talking about why high, but, you know, in the South, is it basically a foregone conclusion now that it's, why that why has running away with this thing i mean that's what it looks like i don't i don't foresee any team knocking them off um i think the one who would have the best chance is pokemo but kind of like what we talked about earlier this why high team is so well rounded and has some good depth as well um again it, it starts with guys like jason handy uh to wayne hardy and ronnie satchel that's the uh the big three if you will um but all of those guys are averaging double digits um, they can play defense. They can press the man. They they can do it all. And then, um, excuse me, then you throw in the young guys like the B.J. Cooks, the Antoine Wilsons, who got a lot of playing time last year and, again, helped uh, Y High make that run at the state championship. 
I mean, those guys just continue to improve every game, I think. Um, so I know Butch Waller, it was funny, it was after the, the Y-High Pokemon game, which was a very first, um, or excuse me, a very close first half, but then Y-High ran away within the second. And Waller was heated. He was extremely upset with the way his bench played. Um, he thought they should have put Pokemon away much sooner. And that's the kind of coach you need is even when you're blowing a team out by 20, you need a guy who's going to press you and, or pressure you to get better with every play in every game. I mean, that's, uh, that's been the key to why high success, I feel like, over the past few years. Will they go to the state title game again? I don't know. I think they do have the pieces in place, but – this Y High team reminds me a little of the one two years ago that went 24-0 and lost to North Carolina in the second round of the tournament, I believe. Um, you know, I, it's good that they did lose a game. They lost to Dover in the Governor's Challenge. But I just don't know if I can see this team making the kind of run it did last year to get to College Park and then get to the, the title game. Um, that said, back to your, uh, your first question, I don't see anyone uh, dethroning Y High. I think they're Bayside South. Uh, champions once again so what would it take you know they're such a complete team I saw them I I saw them with you at that one Mm -hmm. game where they just beat the heck out of North Carolina by like 50 and that was when North Carolina was coming off a win over Queen Anne's yeah so I ask you what would it take for a team what's the recipe to be able to beat a team like Y High you know it starts with the defense and I think you have to play man-to-man maybe you double team Jason Handy because here's the thing is all of them can shoot, so you can you can take away two, even three of their shooters, but you still have guys who can score from anywhere on the court. The thing that Y High does very well is rebounding, and again, that goes back to Jason Handy just being this powerful presence under the net, able to push defenders and really maneuver them left and right to go up and get the ball. If you box him out, take him away, and control the rebounding game, control the turnovers, I think that's the key to really getting them down. And the thing with Y High too. They very rarely play from behind, and we saw it against Dover. Once you get a sizable lead on Y High, and by sizable, I'm, I'm only talking about seven to ten points, that's when you see them start to panic, And one, because a lot of them are young and inexperienced. Again, Ronnie Satchel is the sole senior on that team, or at least the, the only senior who's playing. Handy's a junior. Um, Wilson and Cook are, uh, are sophomores. Hardy's a sophomore who just transferred in. So you get these young guys a little panicked, then they're going to start making crazy plays, taking the shots whenever they think is open, and then you can control it the entire way. But it starts by taking out Handy and really controlling who brings down the ball and who uh, who takes over with the turnovers. So moving down the list, I guess you say Pokemon has the best would have the best chance of beating them again if in the rematch, but. Is it just that Y High is so much better than these other teams, and but these teams aren't that bad? Or is, you know, you say you, you could, what, what do you make of teams like Pokemoke and Chrisfield? I mean, I don't think Y High is so much better than the rest of the conference. Again, I think Pokemoke, I think Parkside or Chrisfield could, um, you know, could hang with them there for a while. But Y High knows how to play a complete game. And again, that, that's another big difference is Y High players can, you know, go pedal to the metal once the jump ball is in the air and they go all the way until triple zero hits, whether it's their bench players or their starters. And that's one of the problems with a team like Chrisfield, who, you know, they come out really strong, but, you know, they just can't seem to finish this season the way we saw last year. And 
know, of course, Chris Field lost a, a few players. Uh, Bayside South Player of the Year, Justin Cohen, was a huge hole that they just have not been able to fill this season. And they also lost uh, Ryan Waters, the oldest of the Waters brothers. Um, but, you know, sticking with Chris Field and Pokemoke really quick, I have Pokemoke number two in my power rankings, Chris Field right below him at three. Pokemoke, and I, I think – Keep in mind, you know, you have Derek Fuchs and um, and Butch Waller. They're the only two who have won as coaches a um, a state championship. And it's because they know what they're doing. I think Derek Fuchs realizes we might not be the best in the Bayside, but we could be the best in the 1A. So, you know, let's use these experiences against Y High and maybe some of these other tougher opponents to learn and translate that to when it – um, transfer that – to when it comes time for the state tournament. Again, going back to our discussion on best players, I think Nigel Houston and Charles Feeney might be the best one-two punch in the Bayside right now. And you also throw in a few other guys. I mean, you have the uh, the kid who transferred over from Washington, whose name I'm blanking on uh, right now. Uh, excuse me, it's um, it's Jahari Eni. And then you have a guy like uh, De'Aaron Jones, who was a good player for them. Um, you have Brandon Snowden. So it's not as a it's not as complete a lineup as Y High has, but Pokemon does have good players outside of Houston and uh, Feeney, which is why I really think out of all these teams in the Bayside South, I think Pokemon has the best chance of winning a state title because in the one A, I think it'll be a bit of an easier road. We'll see what happens when Dunbar gets there, but um, I, I just see Pokemon being that team that's built for the long haul and also has some more experience around them. Uh, Chris Field. Again, I, Chris Field has potential. You know, they, the coaching situation over there is still a little confusing for me. I know it's Dave Arnold and Andre Collins, but let's be honest. I mean, Andre Collins is coaching that team. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's just tough for the players to know who to listen to. They, they're not united this season. They're, they're not a cohesive unit. And it's shown in a lot of these games that they have gotten beat. I mean, they almost lost to Bennett, but they were able to come back. Um, and again, you know, they have talented players, but I just don't see them, you know, getting anywhere near close to the state championship like they did last year. So let's talk about the North a little bit now. I guess I was questioning you about the South. So, Ricky, do you, what, what do you got for me for the North? Well, for the North, I mean, I, it's kind of like what you were talking with. You know, you, you have Ken Island and Queen Anne's and uh, Cambridge up there uh, in you know, North Carolina as well. But just I don't, I don't see any of these teams really beating a Y high in the, in the conference championship game. And um, at least that's what it all comes down to in the Bayside. I mean, you, you can talk the state tournament all day, but when it comes to the Bayside, it's who's going to be the best. And Y high has really just run the table. Uh, these past few years obviously you know the north better than I do but I mean what do you think and I don't really see any of these northern teams putting up a fight I tend to agree I mean I saw why high like like I said I saw why high smack around North Carolina and I think North Carolina is better than they played that day you know even Butch Waller admitted it after the game I think they're better he thought that they were better than they played that day and he thought that they that even Y High may not be as good as they played that day. He just thought that that was just an, a ridiculous game for for their team. So maybe we saw a off night, I guess, on both ends of the spectrum that night. But yeah, I just don't know if anyone. I think of any team in the North, Queen Anne's would probably have the best chance to beat 
to beat Y High, even though they're in second place right now. I think Queen Anne's mm. would have the best chance of anybody in the North to give Y High a challenge if they can get Meehan going and they have their inside game working. I mean, again, they're tough to beat when they have that size going and they use it really effectively and are pounding it in the paint and controlling the pace. But, you know, Y High is just really good. And I, I think Queen Anne's could push them if they have, uh, if they're, if they have everything going, but it's going to take that, that just speaks to how good Y High is that I think it would take probably a close to perfect game from anybody in the North to, to even give them a challenge. And, you know, um, going back to the holiday break when the governor's challenge was going on, everyone's always asking, well, who's going to come out of the North? Who's going to come out of the South? And kind of like what we just talked about, why high is probably going to come out of the South. You just said it, and I, I agree with you. I think Queen Anne's offers the best uh, the best matchup against why high. But looking at the standings now, as we both know, Ken Island is in first. So, Seth, I mean, we still have, I guess, about a month of play left here. Who do you think comes out of the North? Because right now it's very close really in those that top five well I'm there, there's some space between one and five but I mean any of those teams I feel like could go on a run and potentially come out of the north yeah I, I'm with you there I mean you even look at Cambridge Cambridge is only a game and a half behind behind uh, Ken Island so they're right up there too Ken Island won the game against Queen Anne's head-to-head with every with first place on the line and obviously credit to them I tend to think that Queen Anne's is the more talented team between the two but again like I said you can't knock Ken Island's depth their two biggest strengths I mentioned their depth and they're just a team that won't go away they won't go away easy they when they're behind that you they they're just really tough to put away because they will scrap and claw and stay in games and when they're up you know they may not be a team that's gonna put up be able to easily put away a game against a really good team but they will stay right there and claw and make sure you have to earn it to, to beat them. And, you know, that's a gritty basketball team to, to that's a gritty quality of a basketball team. So, you know, there's a lot to like with Ken Island with between that depth and that mentality that they work with, they defend well, they can, they can shoot it from the outside. They, they can work it around with the best of them as they showed against Queen Anne's. But again, I think Queen Anne's probably has a little more just, physical talent I guess I think Dozer is bigger than anybody on Ken Island and again give Ben Cox on Ken Island credit they did a really good job against Jordan Dozer and against Hugh Meehan uh, on Friday but I think Queen Anne's I I could see Queen Anne's beating them uh, in the return game at Queen Anne's and right now I would say Queen Anne's would be my pick to come out of the north still but Ken Island has did show me a lot in that game that and they should i would think they showed themselves a lot that they can beat the best, at least in the North. And, you know, like you mentioned, if North Carolina could get some consistency going, you can't count them out of being right in that mix. Colonel Richardson, if they can get, if Dickerson gets going more and gets some consistency, they're right They're uh, right up there too. They're tied with North Carolina in, in the North standing. So I think there's a, right now it seems like there's a, decently I, th- I think the gap where I would draw the line in the north standings is between North Carolina and Easton right now Easton is four and five in the north and North Carolina's five and four I've seen Easton twice including last night and they blew leads in both games I they they may be better than their record a little I'm not sure if they're better it's hard to tell it's hard to tell if they're better than their record or if the record really says it all because they have talented players it's just they seem to go cold in stretches and seem to just 
not have not be able to put away games what even when they're winning they have the talent to get the leads but just haven't been able to put them away at least when i've seen them so i would draw the line in the standings be- between north carolina and easton but i think yeah any of it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if any of those top five came out of the north but right now queen Anne's would probably be my pick and it's nice, obviously, to win your conference. I mean, you take things one step at a time, and that's that's the one you're shooting for. But at the end of the day, that's not what you're playing for. You want to win a state championship. And, I mean, what do you think, Seth? Do any of these teams have a real shot at competing and winning a state? Because most of these guys are in the 2A, and that's a very tough region to win in. Just ask Butch Waller. Yeah. Uh, you've obviously been around uh, paying attention to, you've been in this job a lot longer than I have. I started the week of Thanksgiving, so I'm still, I'm settled in at this point, but I'm still, <laughs> I haven't been around covering a state playoff run yet. So I'm not, I still can't with certainty say, oh, this team can win states or this team has no chance just because I haven't been around for it yet. But like I said, I think if, Hugh Meehan is clicking. I think Queen Anne's has the firepower to make a run. If Again, Meehan is their big X factor. They've, they've got a lot of talent and a lot of size. So if they can get that outside shooting going, I think they can hang with just about anybody. Ken Island, like I said, they, they have the mentality of a winning basketball team that just doesn't go away easy and will use that depth and, and uh, that strong will, I guess. And, and, to be fair, Frank Craddeville has told me, you know, he thinks they still have a lot of room to grow in terms of that, you know, that mental toughness. But that I've seen a lot of mental toughness from that team. And that's what it takes to win in the playoffs sometimes, just being mentally tough, being able to absorb runs from the other team. You know, it's basketball is a game of runs. The other team is going to go on a run. And Ken Island is – I've seen multiple occasions of Ken Island being able to absorb runs from the other team, not let it get to them, and still come out on top. And I think that's a quality of a team that could make a run in the playoffs. So Cambridge also, I, again, to be fair, I haven't seen them in a while. So I'm, I'm, getting, see, I'm getting back to them next week. They were off yesterday. Otherwise, I definitely would have seen them yesterday. I was planning on it, but they were off. I had definitely seen them next week. But they're up, they're up there too. They've got some senior leadership that could drive them to a run. But again, I'm just not as familiar with, with what it will take to, to win a state title as you would be. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm really high on Pokemon right now is because I kind of know what their path is going to be, at least to the regional championship. That just seems like a path that Derek Fuchs, Nigel Houston, and Charles Feeney can get through fairly easily. Um, because, I mean, who do you have in there? Mardella, Washington, Chris Field. The Chris Field game could be interesting. Um, that said, they almost upset Chris Field – uh, last year, I believe, in the playoffs. Again, this is a Pokemon team that won uh, one game, um, or perhaps it was two years ago. One, once you're here for two-plus years, it starts just running together. Um, but, yeah, once you get to College Park, it's a completely different playing field. Um, I mean, Chris Field was was really just uh, manhandled in the semifinal game last year. Why High had a close first half in the, uh, in the state championship game, but then they fell um, – pretty hard in that second half. I believe they ended up losing by about 26. So when you get to College Park, that's when everything's off the table. I mean, it's it's the best in Maryland, and um, the uh, everyone knows the teams over the bridge are a lot bigger, and if we're being completely honest, a lot more talented than a lot of the teams down here. 
That being said, obviously these teams can win. You have Waihai in 2002, Ben in 2003, Pokemon 2016. So our teams have gone over there and won. It's just um, much more rare that, uh, or much rarer that that happens. Yeah, so it's there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Uh, I, there are some there are some teams that I think could make runs. I'm, it's hard to say for sure. Oh, this team could win states, but I I would be surprised if Queen Anne's was a one and done in the playoffs. And same with Ken Island. Yeah, I mean, as for the South, uh, I'm just looking down my list right now. Washington, I don't think they make any noise. Uh, Mardella, and again, it it all depends on who they match up against. I think Mardella could win a game. The JMB is in the three A. They'll get a bye just because there's not that many teams there to start out. But then I don't know if they get past uh, Northeast or Chesapeake. Um, Snow Hill, you know, I saw Snow Hill last night. Snow Hill has some players. I think Shaquan Williams is probably going to be one of the best in the Bayside next year. And he's got a good supporting cast around him, but they're just not playing together yet. And part of that is because they lost a lot of people last year to graduation and they've had to put some new pieces in place. Um, but I really like Sean Johnson, the head coach over there. I think he's exactly what they need to try to uh, get that program turned back around. Remember, this Snow Hill team, two years ago, they came one, uh, they came about 17 points away from a regional championship. Um, so they know how to win. Um, again, it's just making all the pieces fit together. Decatur, if I'm being honest, again, I think they've got the player of the year on their team right now. I don't see them making a long run. Um, you know, this Decatur team won three regional titles in a row uh, a few years ago, missed out last year. I think they're still missing one or two pieces, which is a shame because Housen graduates this year, and then they're really going to have to start all over after that. But I don't see them making a long run. Parkside, as we talked about before, that team just goes as far as Marcus Yarns will, and Marcus Yarns is only a one-man or is only one person. Parkside probably falls to Y High in, like, the first or second round of the state tournament. Um, so the, the teams, at least in the South to watch for me, making a run at the state, why high Pokemon Chrisfield, uh, and Chrisfield, I'm very hesitant about, and even, and like I've said already between why high and Pokemon, I would give the edge to Pokemon actually competing for a state title. Okay. So I guess to wrap things up a little bit, pick like two games in the second half of the season started yesterday with the, you know, the second half of the round Robin, Pick like two games in the return legs of all of these that you're most looking forward to. So for me, the two games that I'm really going to keep an eye on, uh, the first one comes February 4th, and it is that rematch of Y High and Pokemon. Again, you'll look at the final results of the first game, and Y High really blew Pokemon out of the water in that, uh, that second half. But the second game is going to be at Pokemon. And now that these two teams have seen each other, I think that could make a difference. I... I still would pick Y High to win it, but I think it's going to be a very close game that could come down, uh, you know, to the final few minutes. Um, the first half of that game was very close. Um, y High did a great job taking Nigel Houston out of it for the most part, as well as disrupting uh, Charles Feeney. So they had to rely on some of the guys like Snowden and uh, Eni uh, to really put the team on their back. And at the time, I don't think those guys were ready to do that. Now in February, I think should that happen again, we could see better results from them. And again, that game being in Pokemon, I don't know if you've been to uh, Pokemon's gymnasium yet, but that's a uh, that's a tough place to play. Um, so that I think that will probably be a big game to look out for. The next one, I think it might surprise some people, but again, this for me at least will give me a better uh, sense of what Chrisfield is at this point in the season. And that game's going to be on February 6th, and it's Chrisfield at JMB. 
Like I said earlier, Bennett, who is in a complete rebuilding phase right now with a first-year head coach, almost uh, beat Chris Field in Chris Field. I think they were up 11 on them in the fourth quarter. But um, the Crabbers were able to piece it together and come back and get that win. With this game being at JMB and, again, a little further in the season with these uh, Bennett players having more time to get the chemistry down, I think Bennett could get the upset here and really um, kind of put the nail in the coffin for Chris Field because it just seems to be one issue after the other down there. That said, if Chris Field can go on a streak here, get a big win at JMB, it'll make me a lot more confident as playoffs get ready here for them to potentially make a run. All right, so my two games are both involving Queen Anne's. I'm going with on February Thursday, February 6th, uh, Queen Anne's at North Carolina because I am really, really – I didn't get to see the first game of this. I'm really, really interested to see how – what happens when Jordan Dozier and Kendron Wayman go up against each other. <laughs> I think that's a really, really intriguing matchup inside between the two best big men in, in the North. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's the type of game that North Carolina, North Carolina beat Queen Anne's at Queen Anne's earlier in the season. That's Queen Anne's – that was Queen Anne's first of two uh, losses in the North, which provided <laughs> the circumstances for that big game last Friday between Ken Island and Queen Anne's. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting matchup. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure I go to that one next time. Uh, so – the other one is the rematch between Queen Anne's and Ken Island, which is the last game of the season, Friday, February 21st. That's at Queen Anne's. That's just – that may well decide the North. I mean, if with the way things have gone so far, obviously we've talk, we talked about it before. The standings are pretty congested. Like there's – Ken Island's on top by a game. They lead Cambridge by a game and a half right now. But so much can happen in the next month that – that get, if so much can happen in the next month that it might not decide the North, but you know, with it being the last game of the year, if the standings hold as they are right now, that game will decide the North and that's already a rivalry. So it was pretty crazy at Ken Island. I can only imagine what it would be like at Queen Anne's. It's it, the atmosphere would just be ridiculous. And obviously with the stakes on the line, that that's a game I have circled. So with that, let, do you have any other parting thoughts? <laughs> um, I mean, nothing that I really haven't said. Again, I think um, I think Y High will come out of the Bayside South, but if I'm a betting man, I say Pokemoke's the best team to make a run at the state. Um, Chris Field is a question mark still for me. And uh, for the rest of the teams, better luck next year. But um, it's been a great season so far. We've seen some really good basketball. And, um, you know, every, every time I go out there and see a game, I'm always uh, smiling ear to ear thinking that this is what I get to do for a living. I feel you on that. So, Ricky, <laughs> thanks for joining me. Uh, this was fun. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, really appreciate you having me on, Seth.